Chapter Eight of the Three Mulla Mulgars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Three Mulla Mulgars by Walter de la Mer. Chapter Eight. Nod still lay huddled up in his jacket, his small hairy face all drawn and grey, his eyes tight shut and sorrowful beneath their thick black lashes. Mishka squatted over him and put her head down close to his little body. He breathes no more, sister, than a moth or an imamusa bud. Let us drag him out of his sheepskin and bury him in the snow, said Moha. But Mishka listened more closely. I hear his heart beating. I hear his drowsy blood just come and go. But what is it that, sweeter than a panther's breath, smells so of magic? We must not harm the little Mulgar, sister. He is cunning. A mere much of magic would soon return to plague us. So she wrapped him up still closer in dry leaves and tree moss, and opened his mouth to sprinkle a pinch of snow between his lips. All that night and the next day Nod slept without stirring, but the evening after that, when the snow had ceased again, he opened his eyes and called, Walla Walla! Mishka hopped off and brought him snow in a plantain leaf, and wrapped him up still warmer, but the little dry herbs and powdered root she put on his tongue he choked at, and could not swallow. His shoulder burned, he tossed to and fro with eyes blazing. Now he would start up and shout, Thumb! Thumb! Then presently his face would all pucker up with fear, and he would scream, The fire! The fire! And then soon after he would be whispering, Muzza! Muzza! Mudda! Kara! Mudda! Mudda! just as if he were at home again in the little dried-up Portingal's hut. Mishka did all she could to soothe and quiet him, and at last she managed to make him swallow a little hard bright blue seed called Kandar, which drives away fever and quiets dreams. But old Moha eyed him angrily and wanted to throw him into the forest to die. "'Who'd sleep in a jacket that a gibbering Mulgar has died in?' she said. When the next night was nearly gone, but before it was yet day, Nod awoke, cool and clear, and stared into the musty darkness of the dragon-tree, wondering in vain where he was. Only one small spark of light could he see, the red star Antares, that was now burning through a little rift in the bark. He thought he heard a faint rustling of dry leaves. "'Hey there!' he called out. "'Where is Nod?' "'Hold your tongue, thieving Mulgar!' cried an angry voice, "'and let honest folk sleep in peace.' "'If I could see,' Nod answered weakly, "'You wouldn't sleep much to-night, honest or no.' "'You can't see,' answered the voice softly, "'because, my man of bones, you are dead and buried under the snow.' Nod grew cold. He pinched his legs, he opened and shut his mouth, and took long, deep breaths. Then he laughed. "'It's none so bad, then, being dead, voice of kindness,' he said cheerfully, "'if it weren't for this sore shoulder of mine.' But to this the morose voice made no answer. "'Not yet, even.' could not remember all that had happened. "'Hey there!' he called out again presently. "'Who buried me, then?' "'Buried you? Why, Mishka and Moha, the old witch-hares, who found you snuffling in the snow in your stolen sheep's coat. Mishka and Moha, who wouldn't touch monkey-skin, not for a grove of green candar trees.' "'I remember Moha,' said Nod meekly. "'A gentle and sleek, a very, very handsome old Guata. And is she dead, too?' But again the sour voice made no reply. "'Once,' said Nod, in a little while, "'I have two brave brothers. I wonder where those Mullamulgars are now.' "'He wonders,' said the voice slowly. "'He wonders. 
frizzling 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 my pretty talk by night with seven smoking jellica nuts for company on the spit at this nod fell silent he lay quaking in his warm rustling bed with puckered forehead and restless eyes wondering if the voice had told him the truth while daybreak stole abroad in the forest when dusk began to stir within the dragon tree mishka awoke and came and looked at him she hearkened at his ribs and mouth and there seemed nod thought a little kindness in her ways so he put out his shrunken hand and said tell me truly witch hare a voice in the night was merry with me and told me for pleasure that my brothers thumb and thimble were frizzling on the cannibal minimal's spits that is not true one long and lean said mishka one fat and very heavy and one sly and tiny a nizanila here's the nizanila mulla mulgar i know nothing of the others and then said nod starting up out of his bed i must be off to look for them their little horse ran faster than mine and mine he was a coward and nibbled my sore shoulder to make me loose hold but he could not buck or scrape me off which hair tried he never so hard i must be off at once to look for my brothers if they are dead then i die too well well said the old hare it is sad to die but it's sadder to live alone but tell me first one thing she said where have these strange mulgars come from in their rags and bravery oh hey said nod and told her who they were and tell me just one thing more she said when he had finished where little mulgar is all this magic i can smell and at that question nod thought he could never keep from laughing but he looked very solemn and said there are three things old hare i always carry about with me one is my sheep's jacket one is hunger and the other is magic and the magic just now is where my hunger is the old hare eyed him narrowly well she said wherever it is if it hadn't been for the magic little mulgar the jackatrays would have been quarrelling over your bones but there remember old mishka sometimes in your travels who hated every mulgar except just one little one she bade him be very quiet for her sister after the night's talk still lay fast asleep her eyes wide open in the gloom and she put ukka nuts and dried berries and fruits of many kinds and seven pepper pods into his pockets and buttoned the flaps and she gave him also some powdered physic nuts three bright blue candar seeds and a little bunch of faded saffron flower for a protection against the teeth of the dreaded cockadrillo she tied up his shoulder with soft clean moss and fetched him a stout stick for cudgel out of the forest and then she hobbled out with him to see him on his way dawn lay rosy and still upon the snow-laden branches where burns the selim nugar old hare said nod pretending utter bravery and the wise old quatta hare pointed out to him where still the salmanagar gleamed faint and silver above the glistening trees so nod thanked her went forward a few paces and stepped back to thank her again then set out truly and for good he walked very cautiously spying about him as he went the red sun glinted on his cudgel once he saw a last night's leopard's track in the snow so he roved his eyes aloft as well as to left and right of him lest she should be lying in wait crouched in the branches a troop of skeetos pelted him with nuts, but these as fast as they threw them down he gathered up and put into his bulging pockets and waved his cap at them for thanks they gibbered and mocked at him and flung more nuts 
"'So long as it isn't stones, my long-tailed friends,' he said to himself, "'I will not throw back.' After a while he came to where Cullum and Samarak grew so dense amid the tree-trunks that he could scarcely walk upright. But he determined, as his mother had bidden him, to keep from stooping on to his fours as long as ever he could. Tumbling, numb-nutties startled him, calling in the air, and once a clouded vulture, with wings at least six cudgels wide, dropped like a stone upon a leafless baobab-tree, and watched him gloatingly go limping by. He sat down in his loneliness and rested, and nibbled one of Mishka's nuts, but try as he might, he could not swallow much. When once more he set out for a long way, some skulking beast, which he could not plainly see, stalked through the nodding grasses a few paces distant from him, but side by side. He flourished his cudgel, and sang softly the Mulla Mulgar's journey-song, which Selim had taught him long ago. That one alone who's dared and gone to seek the magic wonderstone, no fear or care or black despair shall heed until his journey's done. Who knows where blows the Mulgar's rose in valleys neath unmelting snows? All secrets he shall pierce and see, and walk unharmed where'er he goes. Whether it was the wonderstone under his breastbone, or the sight of his cudgel, or a distaste for his shrill voice and skinniness, Nod could not tell. But in a little while, when he stopped a moment to peer between the thick streamers of Samarak, the secret beast was gone. Day drew on. He saw no tracks in the snow except of wild pig and long-snouted brackenalls. The only sound he heard was the falling of frosted clots of snow from the branches of the trees, and the sad, continuous, Oh-wee! 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 of the little rust-colored biddock amid the sunlit snow. He did not dare now to rest, though his feet grew more painful at every step, and his poisoned shoulder itched and ached. He stumbled on, scarcely heeding where his footsteps were leading him. Mulgar flies speckled and humped, roused by the cloudless sun, buzzed round his eyes and bit and stung him, and suddenly his heart stood still at sight of seven amber and spotted beasts standing amid the grasses, casting a league-long shadow with their necks, such beasts as he had never seen before. But they were busy feeding, their heads and tiny horns and lustrous eyes half hidden in the foliage of the branches. Nod stared in fear and wonder, and passed their arbor very softly by. Night began to fall, and the long-beaked bats to flit in their leathery hoods, seeking small birds and beasts to quench their thirst. It seemed now to Nod, his brave heart fallen, that he was utterly forsaken, Darkness had always sent him scuttling home to the Portingal's hut. When he was little, how often his mother had told him that Numanasi, with his luring harp-strings, roamed these father forests and strange beasts, too, that never show their faces to the sun. Worse still, as he lifted his poor wrinkled forehead to the tree-tops to catch the last beams of day, he felt a dreadful presence around him. Leopard it was not, nor Gunga, nor Minimal. He stood still, his left hand resting on his knuckles in the snow, his right clutching his cudgel, and leaning his round ear sidelong, he listened and listened. He put down his cudgel and stood upright, his hands clasped behind his neck, and lifting his flat nose, sniffed and sniffed, again the scarcely stirring air. There was a smell, faint and strange. He turned as if to rush away, to hide himself, anywhere away from this brooding, terrifying smell when, 
as if it were a little voice speaking beneath his ribs, he heard the words, "'Fear not, Umanada, press on, press on!' He took up his cudgel with a groan, and limped quickly forward, and in an instant, before he could start back, before even he could cry out, he heard a click, his foot slipped, out of the leaves whipped something smooth and shining, and he was jerked into the air, caught, bound fast in a snare. He writhed and kicked, he spat and hissed, but the more he struggled, the tighter drew the cord round his neck. Everywhere, faint and trembling, rose the strange and dreadful unknown smell. He hung quite still, and as he dangled in pain, a night-wandering biddock on a branch above him called piteously, "'Oo-wee! Oo-wee! Oo-wee! Why do you mock me, my friend?' groaned Nod. "'Oo-ee! Oo-ee! Oo-ee!' wailed the biddock, and hopping down slowly, perched herself before his face. Her black eye gleamed. She clapped her tiny wings above her head, and softly let them fold. "'Oo-wee! Oo-wee! Oo-wee!' she cried again. Nod stared in rage. "'Oo-wee! Oo-wee!' he mocked her feebly. "'Who's caught me in this trap? Why do you come mocking me, swinging here to die? Put out my eyes, bird of sorrow. Nod's tired of being Nod.' The little bird seemed to listen, with rusty Paul poked forward. She puffed out her feathers, raised her pointed bill, and piercingly into the shadows rang out her trembling voice again, "'Oo-wee! Oo-wee! Oo-wee!' She sang, spread her wings, and left Nod quite alone. His thong twitched softly. He shut his eyes, and once again, borne on the faint cold wind, that smell came sluggishly to his nostrils. His fears boiled up. His hair grew wet on his head and suddenly he heard a distant footfall, nearer and nearer, not panthers, nor gungas, nor ephalantos, and then some ancient voice whispered in his memory, Umgar, Umgar, man. End of chapter 8